0: Hello and welcome. I'm Barry Harker and this is Life Learnings. My guest today is Dennis Perry. Dennis is president, Operation Food for Life, a registered charity. The mission statement of Operation Food for Life reads, Inspired by the example of Jesus, Operation Food for Life seeks to provide physical, emotional and spiritual support, bringing dignity and hope to the poor, the forgotten and the disadvantaged. Operation Food for Life focuses primarily on meeting the physical and spiritual needs of the less fortunate in Port Moresby, Papua New Guinea. Operation Food for Life has no employees, only volunteers. And here are just some of the things undertaken by Operation Food for Life. Feeding, clothing and providing spiritual support to a community of up to 500 plus people living on and near a rubbish dump on the outskirts of Port Moresby. Feeding patients dying of HIV-AIDS or uh, tuberculosis in hospital. Regular prison visitation. This includes feeding the prisoners on special occasions along with providing Christian DVDs and spiritual support. Regular visitation and feeding programs in various institutions for the physically and mentally challenged and hearing impaired. Providing a school and food and learning resources for this school which caters for children from the rubbish dump. And nearby poor settlements, feeding and supporting a care centre for up to 35 disadvantaged children by resourcing learning materials for elementary teaching and feeding children living in poor conditions and settlements. Growing up, Dennis faced a significant challenge of his own and I'll explore Dennis's riveting story in our second conversation which will be broadcast next week. This week I'll be talking with Dennis about Operation Food for Life and his involvement with this amazing organisation. Welcome, Dennis.
1: Thank you, Barry. Good to be here.
0: Yeah, it's good to have you today. I'm really looking forward to uh, talking with you. Dennis, you were one of the founders of Operation Food for Life. How did this organisation come into being?
1: On a business trip in the South Pacific Island some 20-plus years ago, I saw a community living on a garbage dump. That frightened me. I'd never been confronted with poverty before, I'd seen images, Barry, on television, read about in paper, but I didn't ex- didn't think that poverty would be so close to Australia. But to see it in a neighbouring country to Australia um, was pretty confronting. And as I looked at these, a the community of some hundred families living on a garbage dump, some uh, living under oil drums, uh, they were talking about family, mum and dad and kids. What, uh, what amazed me ab- about what was happening was... They were not only just getting food and leftovers from the rubbish dump; they were competing with the food by pigs also living on that rubbish dump. Mm. Then I saw, um, then I saw um, more, more garbage drunk t- trucks coming in, dumping their rubbish. I went on doing the business uh, during the course of the day. I came back to the rubbish dump, and uh, and I was just drawn to that great need of human suffering. And I said to God when I saw those people suffering in such horrific conditions, God, what are you doing about this? And God answered me this way, Barry. He said, Dennis, I am doing something about it. That's why you're here. And so often when we're confronted with people in need, it's so easy to say, God, what are you doing about this? When that need is looking you straight in the face. And so uh, from that calling, um, I was impressed that I should go onto the rubbish dump which I did do, walked on the rubbish dump to talk to some of these families and find out what their needs were. Their needs was food, clothing, love, dignity, respect and hope. And from those humble beginnings, I went down to the lo- local supermarket, bought the food and spent a week on the rubbish dump feeding, getting whatever clothes I could to, to feed and clothe these people.
0: I can see your motivation was to just give these people something better than they were really experiencing at the time. What did you find so confronting about this whole situation? What was the most confronting aspect of seeing these people on this dump?
1: Seeing people forage for food with their hands, digging in the rubbish, getting leftovers from the rubbish dump and physically seeing them eat it. This this is this food was not fit for pigs' consumption, let humans' consumption. But not only that, they had competition on the garbage dump. Mm. It was just not an open go for everybody that the pigs were on there and they were their next-door neighbours. They were on the dump competing for that pig, for that food. Nobody deserves to live a life like that.
0: You spent that week going to the dump and providing food. What happened next?
1: Um, Look, uh, God God impressed me that that week was simply not good enough. He said, Dennis, this this is something that I want you to take forward and pay it forward. But I'll give you, um, I'll take you to more people in need. And and then over a period of time, I'll share you what your mission in life is. This is just a start. So in those days, uh, I commenced the program when I walked off the rubbish um knowing this is not an end. This is just a start. And I said, well, I'm going to form a, a little organisation. Let's call it Food for Life. And I will start getting whatever help I can from whatever resources I can to help these people and and make a difference for them um, on, on the rubbish dump. And so from those humble beginnings, Operation Food for Life was born.
0: So what were your first services that you provided
1: uh definitely food it was always food motivated i looked at jesus christ for his example um his example was always care for people's physical needs because there's a spiritual application for that um food food is a matter of survival That's if a basic you, right isn't it it's a right for everybody and and, and nobody deserves to go without a meal nobody no, and 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 kids included so food was definitely the motivation and that's why i called it originally Food for, life. Food for life. How did you fund this uh, this original operation? Look, after a period of time, I was working with a Sanitarium Health and Wellbeing Company. I was involved as a international sales and marketing manager for the company. Uh, within that role, uh, I cared for the South Pacific region.
0: Was this how you came to be in this country in the first place?
1: That's correct, yeah. Uh, Never intended to go past a rubbish dump, but that's how God took me. He said, Dennis, I'm going to just work American in your life. So uh, Sanitarium came to hear about what I've been doing in this area for uh, a long time by people writing in to thank the company for making a positive difference. Sanitarium then started supplying me food where I can meet, start feeding these people in great need. So initially people are writing in to thank you
0: for the work that you were doing. Yeah. And then Sanitarium came on board with, with the
1: assistance. They actually contacted David Woolley, our co-founder, to thank him for the difference that I was making and through the company's support of food was making in giving people of less fortunate and in tragic circumstances dignity, hope, and saving people's lives who may face an uncertain future without our our intervention. And David worked for Sanitarium too, didn't he? Sure, sure. And so David contacted me and said, Dennis, tell me what you're doing because I didn't didn't advertise this within the company. Uh, I just started small and I didn't want to get any thanks for that. But then people started to write in and said, Dennis, you better tell me about this because I'm getting these letters coming in thanking, thanking the company for what, you, for what you're doing. And uh, even though he knew that we were giving food, uh, the letters started to come in through David in his responsibility within the company as a general manager.
0: Tell me how the organisation developed. Mm.
1: At, uh, after, um, look, after a number of years, I started off uh, not just in Tonga. I started doing this program in Fiji where people are living in similar tragic circumstances but in a different way. For example, still outside Suva today, there are, there are people marginalised living in swamps. And so I decided, well, I'm going to find them and I'm going to start and do the same thing, feed and clear them, the, the forgotten, the disadvantaged, the marginalised. Uh, Cook Islands was another area I went to, not, not as bad as some of the other islands, uh, the Gilbert and Ellis Islands. Um, That's Kiribati now, isn't it? Kiribati, yeah. So uh, over a period of time, uh, these countries I've done consistently when I was on a business trip. I always included that we'll spend extra time, get some volunteers, go and help and try inspiring other people. Did you have
0: people on the ground in those those places?
1: Uh, Generally, I went to our local church. To, to look for volunteers. No, I, I just went to a lo- our local church and say, Look, I want to go into the rubbish dump, I want to do this. What a great idea! Didn't know that people existed there. Yes, we'll be happy to help. So generally, they came from our own churches. But as the organisation grew, I realised that this was a ministry for, uh, that had to involve everybody from all walks of faith unchristian, unloved, um, atheist. This was a ministry that I was impressed to do to be a ministry for God involving the community, in their local community, for Jesus Christ. Mm. And uh, from those humble beginnings, that uh, vision has been realized in a marvelous, marvelous way.
0: And there are no barriers, are there? You just provide support to whoever has the need
1: need in front of you. Absolutely. This is a Jesus Christ-inspired ministry, reaching out to the poor and forgotten. Jesus is your motivation for Absolutely, this? praise him.
0: And his example would, would be um, there too,
1: wouldn't Look, it? Look, I'm inspired by his example. Right through, the, through the, the good book, the Bible, you can see Jesus in action. He was a mission in action. He never stayed in one place. He went to meet the needs of the unloved, the poor, the forgotten, not only feeding them physically and spiritually but healing them as well. And his example inspired me to do the same.
0: Now, what sort of support does Operation Food
1: for Life enjoy today? We, we get practical help uh, in, from organisations uh, from outside the church spectrum. Uh, for example, all our uniforms are donated from a, a company called Good Gear Promotional Clothing on the Central Coast. They supply us uniforms for all our volunteers and our team leaders and have been doing that consistently for eight years. That, that is very important for us to, to wear um, corporate uniforms uh, and be seen in the, in the community, particularly uh, after we've done this for a long period of time because uh, in Papua New Guinea where we're working today, those uniforms have saved the lives of some of our volunteers who would have been, um, would have been in very dangerous situations had criminals not seen that uniform on them. Uh, so, they know,
0: so they know the uniform and know to leave those people alone because of yeah, what they're doing.
1: Yeah, look, uh, we, we've recently, Barry, had a, an example where one of our team leaders was coming home late at night in a very bad area called Six Mile in outside Port Moresby late at night with his wife and his two teenage children. He broke down in the worst possible area of Papua New Guinea. And uh, this was 11 o'clock at night. As soon as he broke down, lights went on in the village and, and some uh, loud ruffians that obviously been drinking alcohol came out. And, uh, and so Reuben Alu, who was our team leader at that stage, told his wife to lay down on the floor in the car and told his teenage girls to lay down because he knew that uh, they would the first thing they would do is come out and rape them and then kill them. And so Reuben got out of the car with a, with a torch to try and deflect them, to try and get them away. But they kept coming. But as the leader of the ruffians saw Reuben, he saw the Operation Food for Life T-shirt on. And this guy was drunk. But he knew Reuben from prison. He was an ex-prisoner. Our ministry includes prisoners. And he told his group around him were, 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 were drunk... Do not touch this man. He's a man of God. And so he said, Reuben, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get another car for you and get your wife and get your kids out of here. I can save you, but the other group who come behind me, they they will rape them. They will kill them. Let's get you out of them. That's marvelous. That's just, just an example of God's blessings.
0: It sounds as if the reputation of the organization, Operation Food for Life, is pretty high.
1: Yeah, yeah. We're, we're in, I mean, Papua New Guinea, where all our work is today in Port Moresby, very well recognized, very much respected and loved. And I've only mentioned of just one example, Barry, that we've seen the evidence of our protection, God's protection. But what we haven't seen is angels protecting us through people that may have thought about attacking us yes. um, that we've never ever seen. And we praise God for his protection. Mm. And that wouldn't have happened had the, had that assistance being given us from a company not even associated with with our church just heard what we were doing and want to say how can we help you that's wonderful that company are here on the central coast Mm. um, doing that for you are there other companies that are assisting you sure in uh, Papua New Guinea we've got practical help from a a a, a leading manufacturing food company and uh, for many years they have been giving us stressed stock this is uh, 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 it, products with integrity that are closing their use by date that the trade can no longer take because there's not enough use by date so they supply us any food that they have and that's substantial amounts that we can go in at any time and pick up they generally are biscuits um, and this company uh, in the last two years gave us an empty 40-foot container. Now, this value about $25,000, $30,000 to use for storage. So when we sent aid over for Operation Food for Life, we had somewhere to store store. Up until then, we had nowhere to store. So they donated that to us. They cannot do enough for us. No association with with a church, no association with Christian people. But they heard about what we do and say. how can we help? And this well, is not I think not the unusual. humanitarian impulse is pretty
0: universal, isn't it?
1: Oh, I, I believe it's so. I think if you can do something great for God, he'll do, do great things and he'll bring people that you never expected into your life to accomplish his will. And they'll come from all walks of life. I've seen it and it happens.
0: I want to talk with you about your volunteers in a moment, but Mm. let's just focus on this Mm. corporate support for a moment. Are there any other organisations that are providing support to you?
1: Uh, I'd like to thank the South Pacific Division of our church. who've been That's the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Yeah, they've been fantastic Uh, in terms of their um, caring for our uh, insurance for all our volunteers who go up to Papua New Guinea. That's a big saving to our organisation. I'd also like to pay tribute to Sanitarium Health and Wellbeing Company. They've been absolutely marvellous in their financial and physical support to us. And without help, that, that help and that generosity and that big heart that these organisations have and many others, uh, we'd, we'd find ourselves struggling to make our ends meet today.
0: Now you've got some good news for us today too, haven't you? Mm. This was about the bus. I mean, we've talked about the corporate support. Tell <laughs> well, us about tell us about the bus. Oh, that Barry, you this, just is had just, this is
1: just fantastic. Uh, uh, we have been really struggling uh, on the ground in Port Moresby for years. Since eight years since we've been doing this full time. Uh, that uh, to get around we've had to borrow people's cars in Papua New Guinea. We'll pay for the petrol. We've, we 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 are not. We don't have the benefit of being a well-known multinational humanitarian organisation like others. We're only a small group doing big things. But in uh, any funds that do come our way, we make sure that they go to the people in need before we think about physical things that we need. Uh, within the last two years, we we built a school uh, for poor children uh, in Port Moresby, and we'll talk about that later. But attending that school was the uh, the Minister for Religious Affairs um, and Community Development in the Papua New Guinea government. And when she saw the school and saw the difference that, that we were making with these orphans and these young children, she made a speech, she said, I just love what Operation Food for Life is doing. I've got to get you a vehicle. I promise you a vehicle. And that was realised in the last six months when the PNG government handed over a cheque to allow us to buy a vehicle. Now we can be used 24-7, where before we were limited to be able to get around because of uh, of vehicles. What's the capacity of the vehicle? We can hold 12 people in a vehicle. Um, we also... Look, we do also get, I should acknowledge, Pacific Adventist University, who have been a tower of strength in helping us too. Um, So from time to time when we need just not vehicles but other support, they've always been there and they've been with us since the day we started in Papua New Guinea to help us in any way we can. What sort of government support do you get? No government support whatsoever. The vehicle was a, the first support that we had. We mm. get no other uh, support from no other government agency whatsoever. We do get the recognition. Uh, for we are recognised for the work that we do by Miss Deborah Stokes, who is the Papua New Guinea High Commissioner for Australia. And uh, if we're having any difficulties in terms of the program running running on the ground or we need to get visas for volunteers, etc. It's nice to know that we can call on her personally, and I've got her personal phone number to ring her, direct line to is so I just love what you do. And Deborah's been out to our school to open our school and back when we, we extended the school, and this is in a, in a very dangerous area where she should not be allowed to go, but she's been there, and that's the respect that she has for us. So we thank um, Deborah, we thank uh, PAU for their fantastic support as well. You also have a couple of high-profile patrons. Mm. Who are they? Mm. Philip Ruddock, uh, MP. He's the member for Barara, Coringai. He's a longer-serving member currently of the Australian Federal uh, Parliament, forty-two years, still going. Uh, how blessed we are to have his patronage and what he's done for us, and uh, the the blessing of having the Governor-General of Papua New Guinea, Grand Chief Sir Michael Ogio, the Governor-General of of new guinea is so love what we do he asked us as did philip ruddock could i please be your patron wow and it's just amazing how how what you sometimes barry you never think you're being noticed but people are watching you when when you least expect it but god is watching you all the time
0: i'd like to just turn now to uh, look at some of the challenges that the people that you serve actually Mm. face Mm. take us through the 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 life that a person leads who's living on or near a rubbish dump. Mm. What are the challenges that they're facing, health-wise, mm. emotionally, you know, in terms of their jobs, socially, mm. all of
1: these things? Mm. Just give us a profile. Okay. Imagine yourself living in a on a rubbish dump about seven miles in circumference and and the view you have from under four oil drums and a piece of cardboard, which is what they call home, is all they can see is smoke billowing out from the rubbish tip 24 hours a day. They can see uh, rubbish trucks coming in sometimes to tip their rubbish on. And their neighbour, they look across to see who their neighbour is, and it's another family, and it could be a second-generation family, and they're living in, a, in, in, in a, a construction made out of wood and timber that, or, or, and steel that they've got foraged from the garbage dump. That's their life, and they've been living on, on all their lives. They've got no they have got no way of getting any aid to them, and there are a community consisting of mostly ruffians and criminals. If you were to put all the bad apples into one basket, they're here on biruni rubbish dump in Port Moresby. Their, their, their health conditions, look, every every disease you can think of, you've got um, hepatitis A, hepatitis B cholera a few then you've got the the dogs on there with rabies wild dogs walking around around them it's a matter for survival but not only that remember these people are hardened criminals and and they they will quote own part of the rubbish dump they'll claim it as their own and if another family on the rubbish dump come to try and take anything from quote Their rubbish, or war will break out. They, somebody could lose their life on the rubbish tip because somebody's gone onto their territory and taken an empty can, which they will take into the city to be resold for recycling to subsidise their food. Very dangerous. So they've got all these, plus much more, uh, happening all around them, and they've got no. And that's the environment they live in. It's hostile. It's dirty. No hope. No dignity and no future.
0: That's a massive challenge. How does an organisation your size even begin to address these issues?
1: One step at a time. When we first uh, heard about Buruni and how dangerous, we were told that it's so dangerous police don't even go there. And uh, I've always said that the worst that can happen, when I told told the police, the worst can happen, they can kill my body, but Jesus Christ owns my soul. And Jesus died for them. Uh, it's massive. We only started feeding them and it took us 18 months before we can actually do anything on the dump to earn their trust. Uh, and, and after 18 months, we had the criminals now meeting us at the gates of the rubbish dump to escort us in because they realised it was in their best interest to keep them alive because we were keeping them alive. But we started small. We were going to think tall. And with God, we're going to give it all our all. So every two months, three months, we'd go in there with, with whatever food or with donations we could get, and we started feeding them. Then today we're going in every month uh, to take uh, food parcels in. Now we're having a, a devotional program every, every Saturday, every Sabbath, we're having a devotional program which is well attended from people, from this rubbish dump and in their local villages. And uh, every every time we go in there, we're taking food and clothing. We're taking the love of Jesus Christ. But, Barry, the most important thing is when we go in and whatever we do, we say, we're coming in the name of Jesus. Yeah. He owns Operation Food for Life. We're just chief servants. I'm not yeah. just a chief servant. Mm. So it starts more.
0: Tell me about what you do for those dying of HIV, AIDS. Mm.
1: It's very, pretty, very confronting. We're the only organisation that have had a sustainable program in Port Moresby Hospital in the People with Living with AIDS ward. AIDS is pandemic in Papua New Guinea. Um, it's up to the families of the patients who are in the hospital ward to feed them. It's not the primary responsibility of the hospital to feed these people. Some families come in, most don't. They have been marginalised, they've been stigmatised, and they've been just left. Uh, We are still the only organisation today that actually are allowed to prepare food, which is a beautiful, fresh fruit platter. That's a luxury item to these people. And we go in there once a month with a a beautiful fruit platter, and we will actually uh, arrive there at 6 o'clock in the morning before the doctors do their rounds, and we'll uh, we'll make a, an announcement to the uh, to the ward. We come in the name of Jesus Christ. He loves mm. you, so do we, and so we'll uh, Barry will feed every patient. We'll feed their loved ones who happen to be, maybe sleeping by their bedside on the floor. Now the bed, that's a very sterile environment. No less than eighty people in there at any one time, and uh, we always um, I, I invite whether we can have a prayer. With, with them and the same thing we come in the name of Jesus Christ do you accept Jesus Christ as your personal saviour Operation Food for Life is all about giving the people hope dignity in Jesus Christ and these people deserve to hear the name of Jesus uh, before they take their next journey in life they won't be walking out the door um, but we make sure we give him the glory and make sure that, that if they say yes, they accept Jesus Christ as their personal saviour. We've done such a great thing for God. And I'm, we're going to see some of our, our great friends in heaven. And I know that because of our service and our love for them. Um, they are family to us.
0: That's a great satisfaction, isn't
1: it? Oh, absolutely. What about the prisoners? Mm. Bamana Prison is the largest institution, penal institution in Papua New Guinea. You've got a, an average there of about, uh, when I started doing this um, 15 years ago, there was 2,000 prisoners. Today there's a possibly 750 prisoners. And the commander of the prison will tell us today, if we're sitting here, Operation Food for Life has made, m- continues to make such a sustainable difference. He believes that the, the, the downturn in prisoners coming into his prison as a result of us working consistently in the prison system to help them be role models and to help them when they go out in the community not to reoffend, And he gives a lot of that tribute to the sustaining work we do. So we go into the prisons, including the female division. Females have got 60 prisoners. And we regularly go in there. We, we take in a, a, a nice, uh, huge buffet meal for them You've got to remember, Barry, what they normally get for for breakfast, lunch and tea is the same thing every day. For a breakfast, it might be a piece of bre- bread with a cup of tea with a tin beef on it. You'll get the same for lunch. And if you're lucky, you might get tinned chicken for tea, but you'll have that for every day of your prison internment. When we go in there, it's just a buffet as you'd see in a five-star restaurant, just really laid on for them. And we're the only organisation, again, that go in and feed those prisoners and always have a devotion and church service with them, always do that. And we're the only organization in the country that are allowed to pick up prisoners from the prison and take them out with us, with our volunteers. And these are trusted prisoners with their guard to help us accomplish uh, and and meet the people who are who need help that we're ministering to. And uh, today we even have prisoners now that have come out of their service volunteering with us, uh, being role model citizens in the community. So, but if you think of, of Matthew thirty five uh, Matthew twenty five thirty five, For I was in prison, you visited me. Mm-hmm. And that's, a, that's an instruction. For I was hungry and you fed me. Thirsty and gave me something to drink. I was sick and you visited. Fulfilling God's calling, God's responsibility in us and through us. And what a privilege it is to serve we make we make friends with strangers those friends become part of our family and that family then becomes the family of God
0: I want to talk about your volunteers just a little bit later I can see that as you do these services then you're picking up volunteers in the local area but I want to talk about those who actually fly in and and Mm. volunteer Mm. but just before we close off this part I'm just wondering whether you can tell me about the children and adults with disabilities that you serve? Mm -hmm.
1: There's a a centre in Port Moresby um, that's called Cheshire Disability Homes. There's about 28 people, uh, basically teenagers to young adults and adults. They very much rely on community support. They're not funded by the government. They um, uh, have got physical, mental uh, disabilities and challenges. Their greatest need is mobility devices. Uh, we, for 15 years, have been going into this institution, taking food in, and where we can, uh, taking wheelchairs, crutches, to help the, the, the patients within that institution. Uh, we're much loved. There is a, a school next to them for people with visual and hearing disabilities. Some latest enrolment is 200 and we go in there and we take in a, a food platter for the kids as well. And uh, we uh, have become very much associated and very much respected for the, for the love that we've shown these unloved uh, people. And that's something that we're doing consistently. Originally, uh, we go one, one of the, uh, the patients who has got no arms, no, no legs, uh, who only had a mechanical wheelchair, a motorised wheelchair, and that, and that has made such a world of difference to this young man, who could uh, only had to try and just push himself in a wheelchair before, but now a motorised will take him wherever he wants uh, around. Mm. And he leaves; he can now leave that centre every day and go and uh, do some. He's now got a job that he can go to as a wireless operator. And he said, "Look, without the wheelchair, without the motorised wheelchair, are you, are you've unlocked." my imprisonment and we praise God for uh, people who do bring wheelchairs and crutches to us because oh, not only the voice of Jesus Christ will make a difference to them but the world of difference if we supply a pair of crutches to people who can least afford it, it will change their life forever we do a lot of that work I can almost feel the enthusiasm vibrating in this room. <laughs> Look, uh, we're, we're so grateful to another organisation that uh, supplies us. Philip Ruddock has been fantastic to, to get wheelchairs and walking crutches for us. And we have another organisation too down at Homebush who help us with wheelchairs and walking frames. Again, these people come to us, they heard about us. That's a practical support and we just want to thank those people who, who make those kind donations to us.
0: Tell me a bit more about the Literacy School...
1: Over two years ago, uh, I was taken to a lady under a, a house in Port Moresby. This is an extremely poor village. And when I was taken to this lady, I saw her under a house. Uh, she had, uh, what, what, a, what attracted to me was she had uh, a, 35 children sitting on, on, the, on the ground and she had one whiteboard. And when I learned a little bit more about this lady, I found out that she was teaching these children who were five to six, and she was teaching them literacy skills two hours a day. Most of them, their parents had died of AIDS. They'd been looking after by their grandfather or grandmother or a relative. They had no home to call their own. And this lady had such a great heart, she wanted to make a difference. She could only teach them two hours a day, and all she had was one whiteboard. And the only reason you could teach them two hours a day, there was no water, no food to feed them. And so um, God took me to this lady. And I believe when, as I said earlier in this conversation, when God takes you to, to a person in great need, He knows you're in a situation to do something about it. I said, I don't know, God, do you want me to. It doesn't say if I was hungry and you fed me, you thirsty and gave me something to drink, you, you built a school for me. It doesn't say that in the text. he said, Dennis, I'm drawing these people to your attention. You can do something to help these kids. From those humble beginnings, we've now got a three-classroom school, a very humble building consisting of over 100 poor children in a very disadvantaged area that are having Christian education by volunteer teachers every day, five days a week. We've seen the first graduation last year of 13 children who can now go to public school and be accepted into public school in the in the school system, and this year we've graduated another 18 from our school, and we've got 100 that have been taught this year, A- and that is just uh, another. And how that all happened, I haven't got enough time to tell the story all i had it was enough for to build a a frame with a with an iron roof for 35 kids back in her village and that's what i started off i had only that enough money but today that's the three classrooms and we're still building we're still building that's not stopping there Mm,
0: that's fantastic these stories are just quite amazing simply amazing Tell me about your volunteers who make all this happen. Mm,
1: I want to thank them. Uh, we've got a husband and wife team, Philip and Maureen Varkey, live in Port and What a special people they are. They're on duty 24 7. They could go to work and could, could earn money, but they've chosen this ministry to serve. And it's a faith ministry. They uh, just want to go out there and do these things for God, and they do that. Uh, Philip. Um, Story is, a, is an amazing one. I met Philip in prison. In the 14 years I was in prison, I met him and I saw his change to Jesus Christ. And I'd like to think that I was a, a catalyst to him becoming a Christian. And uh, for the last five or six years while I was in prison, he, he'd, he'd done all the Operation Food for Life uh, programs within the prison system. Today, he's our director of Operation Food for Life, still on parole. The most notorious, the most wanted, the most dangerous criminal in Palm New Guinea 14 years ago. Today, he's the most wanted person for Jesus Christ and doing great things for him and his wife. So he and uh, Maureen uh, and Jean, the little daughter, they're out there doing this at 24-7. Our volunteers, they come from all walks of life. They could be ex-prisoners. This year, there's, I'm taking some people um, who heard about us, contact us from Cairns. We've had people come from New Zealand. We've come people unchurched, churched. We've had people come from, from Hornsby who contacted Philip Ruddock. Um, who's, who said, I've heard about Operation Food for Life, where I, I want to come. And so Philip's contacted me put in contact with, with people. Uh, and th- those people have come back, Barry, they've come back changed. And, and the way they've I looked at Christianity, it has given them they, – they have experienced – more blessed to give than receive. Mm, and yeah. they've come back changed. And, and, that, and, and they are now passing the legacy of Operation Food on to others. They haven't stopped back in their own community. They're doing some good in their neighborhood. So praise God, as I said, involved in the community, in the community, and giving all the praise to Jesus Christ.
0: I think there might be some listeners who would be thinking at this stage, mm. I might like to be involved in this. Mm. So I'm going to um, give people the website Mm -hmm. for Operation Food for Life. Mm. It's www.offl.org.au. I'll repeat that, www.offl.org.au. So if people want to contact you and um, talk to you about perhaps being involved Mm. or providing donations because you are a donation-based operation, they can do that through the website. Yeah, please do. That would be great. I'd like to go to a break now. And uh, when we come back, Dennis, I want to talk with you about some of the stories, the individual stories of people that you've helped. You have a beautiful set of pictures here. Some of them are quite confronting. And I want to talk with you about some of those photos. And I want you to tell me some of the individual stories. And you've just told us a wonderful success story about that prisoner. I'd like to hear some of the other stories in the book as well. I think that would sort of round out our conversation and sure. what your organisation does. If you have any questions or comments in relation to today's programme, you can call 3ABM Australia Radio within Australia on 02 4973 3456 or from outside of Australia on country code 612 2. 49733456. Our email address is radio at 3abnstralia.org.au. That is radio at the number three ABN
1: Australia. all one word, word.org.au. Our postal address is 3ABN Australia Inc, PO box 752
0: Morissette, New South Wales 2264 Australia. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. If you've just joined us, I'm Barry Harker and you're listening to Life Learnings. My guest is Dennis Perry, President, Operation Food for Life. I've been talking with Dennis about Operation Food for Life and its services that it provides in Papua New Guinea. In the remaining time today... I want to explore some of the personal dimensions of the lives of the people that are served by Operation Food for Life. Dennis, you've got a book here that's got some wonderful photos in it, and we're going to talk about some of the stories of the people in that book. Before I do that, I just want to ask you how
1: old you are. 68 going on 23. You're so enthusiastic. Yeah. Look, you're never too young or too old to serve. The best years of my life in service is still ahead.
0: That's wonderful. Mm. Now, we also want to direct people to your website again Mm -hmm. because not only can they um, donate or make contact with you, but they can also see some photos there of the operations. And so if you're interested in doing that, you can go to www.offl.org.au and see some of the photos. Also, we're going to give you our Facebook link which is www.facebook.com forward slash 3 Radio. And there'll be a link there to the Facebook account for Operation Food for Life. So if you want to check things out further, you can do that. Dennis, tell me about this photograph. It has you and uh, David Woolley. Mm and two people in it.
1: Mm. This is taken in Port Moresby General Hospital uh, over 12 months ago. Uh, Husband and wife uh, with two babies you can see on the other page. Uh, This is a lady that had been in there six months when we ministered to her. We said uh, that babies had little clothing, no rugs, certainly no health aids at all, no bathtub. Uh, The hospital's there, very, very basic, third world. And so David and I... um, said, oh, what's the name of the babies? How old are they? And uh, what we're looking at here is two pictures with twins and they're dying of of AIDS. And uh, she said, oh, I'm not going to... I haven't named them. Why name them? They're going to die. David and I uh, were moved. Uh, We went out and we purchased some basic health needs, nappies, uh, huggies, soap baby shampoo, baby powder and bathtubs for them both uh, rugs etc and came back and made a presentation uh, to this lady and uh, she was so overwhelmed and uh, you can see her Jim, her husband Jim uh, in the, the photo they were both so moved by our compassion uh, that they actually the next photo you'll see of this lady is with the birth certificates she named uh, the t- children One called uh, Elaine after David's wife and one called Marge after my wife. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that fantastic? And uh, one of the children has died. Marge has passed away shortly after this photo was taken. But Elaine is still surviving. But her days, unfortunately, appear to be numbered. Mm, Very sad. Mm. And the tragedy is they're they're both carriers of this dreadful AIDS and uh, their days are coming fast to a close as well. It's such a – it just wipes out generations Generations, Barry, and uh, doesn't and nobody's immune to this dreadful, dreadful disease. And it's um, arguably, it could be argued that the uh, captive uh, captive population of PG in terms of age is one of the worst in the world. It's really, it's a catastrophe uh, on Australia's doorstep, with very few people will ever know about it. It's tragic, really. Tell me about this photo. uh, For the listeners, I've got a picture of one of our volunteers. She's only 11. This is Jean. Jean is the daughter of our directors, uh, uh, Philip and Maureen Varkey of Operation Food for Life in Papua New Guinea. Since the age of six, uh, Jean has been with her mother and father helping us as a volunteer at six uh, in our Operation Food for Life programs. That includes going into prisons, Going to rubbish dumps, going to hospitals, everywhere she, she's she's with us. And the picture I'm showing you, Barry, is Jean at a bedside of a little girl too, un, who unfortunately has contracted the HIV virus. And Jean is praying for that little girl, and ta- mm. and she'll talk to her as well. And she just goes to the little girl and she says, "Hello, my name is Jean. I come in the name of Jesus Christ. Can I feed you? Can what can I do to help you?" Yeah, and what a wonderful picture that is. And uh, it's, it's so moving because it does demonstrate what I said uh, earlier, Barry. Uh, you're never too young or too old to serve. And even now when Jean has to go to school or has to stay home because uh, of of circumstances at home, she always cries because she can't come with us. Oh, I want to go into the age wards. I want to pray and want to feed all the people. That's the passion she has for service. And that's the same passion each of the volunteers have in which we serve. It's not a duty. It's a love. There can be no other way that I can describe this. This is a ministry of sustainable love, mm. giving them dignity mm. and giving them hope. I'm just taking to a page now, Barry uh just get it over the page here.
0: This is a picture of the the rubbish dump. Mm. There are people scavenging, there's just rubbish everywhere, and you have smoke rising.
1: Mm. And yeah, and, and that—that's their food basket for the day. Uh, some of these uh, people that you don't see, Barry, they're, they're carrying babies in the in the back, mm. newborn babies. Mm. Um, look, uh, it's—it's just—it's beyond. How, how can you try and describe what we see here to the listening audience? It's just uh, tragedy. But this inspires me to go to these people, give them dignity and hope, take fresh food to them and just tell them that they, they may feel abandoned, but Jesus hasn't abandoned them, and he'll never abandon us in the same way. He will come to us at the most unexpected time, and he'll give us dignity. He'll give us hope beyond these tragic circumstances. So that's uh, on the on the rubbish dump. And uh, while we'll speaking on the rubbish dump, recently I had one of the criminals. This is taken three months ago on the rubbish dump. Um, this is he? a
0: photo of um, a young man, two young men. Mm. And there's a lady in the background, but one young man is holding a knife Mm -hmm. and and the the man standing beside him is holding onto the knife as well, restraining Mm -hmm. him. Tell me about this particular photograph.
1: Now, this is uh, a family, one of the families living on the rubbish dump. Remember, these people are dangerous. They're, they're criminals. And even though the, we might brought the love of Christ to them for years, um, they can turn at any unprovoked at any moment. Uh, in this particular case, this young man it was on marijuana. So he, he's, his mind had all just gone and blown, and he just didn't know what he was doing. But he came out with, with this huge bush, bush knife. He said, kill you. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. Here the other photo is with uh, another uh, one of the criminals But under his arm he's got a food parcel We'd only just given him uh, We had just we going to give him the food parcel When he said kill you, kill you, kill you And this man said, held him back and You see his arm reaching across for this bush, mm. bush knife and He said do not touch this man, he's a Jesus man Do not kill this man, he's a Jesus man and I guess the lesson in, in this is, is um, they can they can kill they can kill me, Barry. I'm I'm, I'm prepared to die for these people, and, and what a blessing that would be. But they can kill my body, but Jesus Christ owns my soul, and what assurance mm. that gives gives me, gives me, to know that here's a criminal defending me. You know, Satan owns these people. And it's our responsibility to release them from the bonds of Satan, release the grounds of that Satan owns. He's, he owns the ground. He owns the people. Our responsibility, as I see it, is to reclaim their ground for Jesus Christ, but reclaim the lives for Jesus Christ. Mm. And tell Satan, you're no longer welcome here. Mm. You, you're You're dismissed. And so we've had instances like this. We've had uh, David Woolley was in, in, in our, our van, a borrowed van once, and they threw a rock through the windscreen and missed David by inches. They can break our glass, David. They can break our spirit, but they're not going to break our heart. Hmm. And we'll continue to go on and on because this is what Jesus Christ, if Jesus was in Port Moresby, if Jesus was uh, here, what would he do? He'd say, take me to the rubbish tip. Take me to the, take me to the people poor in spirit poor that they need the hope and dignity above their tragic circumstances and this is uh, what we do and here now uh, he's back in the prisons this is the ladies prison and one of the ladies uh, this is Tamara and Tamara has been in, in this prison for 14 years Tamara would say to you she was sitting here Barry when I first met her I wasn't into God or not into Christ and she's been in there 14 years She's being released in the next seven days and she would say to you, as she said, in the last two weeks, she says, uh, I've come to know Jesus Christ. I've come to know him through you. And as soon as I'm released from prison, I want to be a volunteer for Operation Food for Life. Some of the uh, people—that's a wonderful success story. People we bring to Christ is a journey with Philovaki, our team leader, with 14 years to bring along that journey, uh, bring them to Christ from where they've been to where they are now. Can take uh, it can take a long, long time depending on how the Holy Spirit works within their, within their hearts. But she knows Jesus Christ, and here we are giving some DVDs when we're not there for the prisoners, which we do also from Wurrunga Adventist Church Television. We give them uh, spiritual DVDs to watch. So Jesus Christ will never be far away, even though we, we may not be there for the week. They've always got something positive, mm. positive to watch. But Tamara is, is just a lovely, lovely lady. And uh, we love her and, and we love every prisoner that, that are part of our Operation Food for Family. And those family, we remind you, are poor. They're forgotten. They're marginalised. And they are... are they, we're fulfilling a gap that no other agency is doing. And that's important to note. That no other... We're not copying anybody else or duplicate, We are doing something that no other agency will do because it's confronting and, and it could be um, very dangerous in some of the areas that we go into. But uh, in saying that, God's blessed and continues to bless what we do today. And what I'm showing you now, uh, Barry, is there's Augusta, the lady I found under a house with a 35 That's children. the
0: photo of the original
1: classroom under That's the house. That's it. Yeah. And in the, isn't that amazing? And, and listeners can find that and see it on our, our website as well. And We've got a, a, a wonderful website. And for listeners... I might just mention to you, any donations that you kindly may forward to us are tax deductible. And so you see that journey too, uh, was a period of over two years from the moment we started building the school until it came to full fruition. And uh, this is the school that we you see is turning the ground of the school. And today uh, all the kids are in school uniform. but just imagine we've got we've got three, four teachers there, full-time volunteers. And they do that of their own time. And those teachers have been there since the school opened.
0: I'm looking at a photograph of the classroom. And there would be about 20 or 30 children there. Mm. Nice desks. Nice, pleasant environment. Not flash, mm. but certainly very pleasant.
1: Yeah. And these are being, uh, it's a Christian school. And every morning they're half an hour scripture lessons, singing songs. And, and they finish the day by singing the Lord's Prayer. So it's, it's just just great. The school that they go to um, have asked to be the feeding program for their school from our school because when they've had their first... The first graduates from our school last year were so advanced of others in that same year that they went to, they automatically went to the second year in the in the school. They were being bullied by the first-year students because they knew so much more than they did. So to save the kids being bullied, those 11... They put them straight into the second year because the st- work that these teachers had done with this school was so advanced as what was happening in the in the other schools.
0: Well, there's nothing like giving children good food and clothing and uh, looking after them to provide the conditions for um, for good educational outcomes. Yeah. Those are wonderful wonderful photos. Thank you mm. for. Talking
1: about them. We go to the school, uh, Barry, twice a week and we feed the kids. We find that uh, more kids will turn up, particularly if you feed the kids. And uh, so we over our experience, we've learnt that uh, it's nice to give them education, but they don't get much food, if anything, at home. But as soon as we start feeding the kids, they, they've got a mo- another motivation to come. So where we were doing it once a week, as funds come in, uh, we're now doing it twice a week. As funds come in, instead of going to the rubbish dump once a month, we can go once every fortnight and, and make a difference and, and uh, give hope and dignity to these people.
0: How often do you visit Papua New Guinea?
1: Uh, three times a year. Last year I'm at four. I'm usually up there for about uh, 10 to 12 days on an average.
0: And how many volunteers would you have going from Australia and New Zealand?
1: Uh, on an average, we take about five to six, uh, depending on e- each year by year. Uh, we don't take many uh, volunteers from overseas or from Australia up uh, because uh, we move around in in a large group. I've got a duty of care to the the volunteers as well. Uh, we've got as many volunteers as we like in Papua New Guinea. There's no... from all walks of life. But we take volunteers up with us once a year, uh, September, around September, for 10 days. Um, this year we've got volunteers. Most of them will come from Cairns, who, who, who got onto the website and say, "We want to get involved. How do we get involved?" I so imagine I
0: was, that most. Uh, I imagine that most of those people who come back from Papua New Guinea would also act as uh, ambassadors for
1: and Operation advocates Food for life, and, and, and advocates. advocates. And we've still got we've had people now going up for the second time. That wouldn't be unusual, but they've been part. They have now become part of the Operation Food for Life family because the the effect has, has had on them has dramatically changed the way they've looked at Christianity and the, and the value system of that responsibility with being a Christian in their lives. Your wife is
0: also on the executive committee mm. of uh, Operation Food for Life. Yep. How do you
1: both find the time to be involved? Well, both of us gave ourselves away to the Lord. It's always service above self. Um, we, 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 don't find, we don't try and make time. We make time. And everything we do, it has to be God first and ourselves come way down the list. After all, isn't that what Jesus has done for us? So we put ourselves on the, on the lower pecking order and we consider it a great privilege to be, be called to do something like this, knowing that our efforts are making such a difference to the lives of others.
0: Dennis, where do you see Operation Food for Life going in the future?
1: I des- de- desperately want to start in Fiji. Operation Food for Life in Papua New Guinea is just a start. I'd like to think that, that, that we can make it self, self-sustaining self for Papua New Guinea for the future. I don't want to leave Papua New Guinea and orphan it. Uh, that will continue to go. It's God's program. But I've got an urgent desire to start in Fiji, knowing that I've been in the swamps in Fiji. There's people, as I said earlier in this interview, that are hurting badly. There's nobody else going to them. No Christian organisations. I want to get into the swamps, and I want to love those people to heaven. And, and uh, I'm going to do that. I don't know how, gonna, don't know when, but I'm going to Well, there I'm may, there do may this. be people
0: listening today who want to be involved in yeah. helping you to push this yeah. whole operation forward. So I'm, going to just re- I'm just going to repeat the um, website again. It's www.offl.org.au. So if you want to contact Dennis and talk with him about providing support of any type, mm. please feel free to do so. Dennis, I'm going to ask you now just to close our first conversation with prayer.
1: Thank you. Our loving Father in heaven, we thank you for teaching us through your word the importance of service. We thank you for his inspired example. We, Father, we know that uh, through through your love for us and your example, we can do some good in our neighborhood. We think of those less fortunate wherever they are. We think of those who go forward in your name, serving others beyond this own self-interest bless them whatever their hands to do and may they do it according to your will and might we thank you in jesus name amen
0: dennis thank you for that i look forward to our next conversation i'm barry and this is life learnings my guest today has been dennis perry president operation food for life a charity providing support to the most disadvantaged people and children in port Moresby, papua new guinea Remember to tune in again next time as I speak with Dennis about his amazing life story. If you think today has been amazing, you'll be even more amazed by his personal story. Until then, bye for now and God bless you and keep
1: you. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.